is a vital, it's a vital thing, perseverance in this Christian faith. Yeah. All over the Bible, there's, it talks about perseverance in prayer, perseverance in our life, being faithfulness to God. Now, specifically this morning, I want to speak about perseverance in the midst of discouragement. Perseverance is, is the ability to keep going in spite of circumstances, in spite of troubles, in spite of storms, in spite of what the weather's like, in spite of whether we're good or bad. You see, I happen to think, and forgive me, because I travel a lot. I'm no uh, a pastor. I was a pastor, but I'm not now, so I travel a lot. So when I preach, I preach with a perspective of a traveling preacher. And I think the modern church has become a little bit self-conscious rather than conscious of the power of Jesus Christ. Or a little bit self-absorbed with ourselves and how we feel. By the way, don't fellowship with your feelings too long. You're meant to fellowship with him. And what I would say this to you is, don't listen to yourself. You're not meant to listen to yourself. You're meant to speak to yourself. And there's a big difference between letting self speak to you and you speaking to yourself. The ability to say, why you downcast all my soul? Put your hope in God. God has been good to me. You're actually speaking to yourself. You're letting yourself know. You do not have dominion over me anymore. You won't, I won't let you take me where you used to take me. I'm telling you, you will lift your hands today. You will praise God today. You will enter his gates with thanksgiving. Don't tell me how I feel in spite of it. I know my Redeemer lives. Hallelujah. What a saviour. Now, perseverance, I could have spoke about Caleb. What an amazing man. Or Joseph. Or even our Lord and Saviour. Or even Paul the Apostle. If you want to talk about men who persevered in the midst of a very, very difficult life. Because faith does not make your life easy. Faith makes your life possible. You see, victory is not the absent of battles or pain. Victory is in spite of it. That's what gives you a testimony. You should be dead, but you're alive. You should be down, but you're up. You shouldn't be here, but you are. That's faith. If it doesn't take faith to get you where you're going, it's totally illegitimate. It will die in the end. Just self-will and self-determination. Friends, we are not fighting flesh and blood and you will not overcome the enemy with secular principles. You need the power of God. You need the power of the Word. You need the power of the Holy Ghost. Nehemiah, that's where I'm going. I want you to turn. Nehemiah chapter 4. I want to speak to you this morning about persevering and discouragement and not coming down. Nehemiah was a cupbearer for the king. He heard that the state of his city was in. And when he heard the state that the city of Jerusalem was in, it moved him. When he heard the state of what the enemy had raped and pillaged and and, and ravaged this city, he heard about it and it touched his heart so powerfully. And I want to say to you, as soon as you move anywhere moving towards the work of God, all hell lets loose. Because it's real. And this is what Nehemiah uh, Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah has, has left the king. He's asked for permission. He's now in Jerusalem. It's an absolute mess. It looks totally impossible, the situation. 
He's one man with a burden. And then he comes into this situation. And then we're going to start at verse uh, uh, 1 of chapter 4. When Sambalat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridicules the Jews in the presence of his associations. And in the army of Samaria, he said, "What? Listen to the language, okay, when you're doing a great work for God. What are these feeble Jews doing? He's trying to totally undermine a great work that's about to happen. See, the devil wants to stop you before you even start. What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore the wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a, a day? Can they bring these stones back to life from the heaps of rubble, burnt as they are? Toba the Amorite, who was at his side, said, What are they building? Even if a fox jumps on this wall, it will fall down. And then you jump down uh, to verse 9. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night. Now, I want to just stop there for a minute. I want to talk about this for a minute. You see, the church of God, if anybody has a voice, it's us. Your voice is significant. Isn't it amazing? As soon as, you know, the enemy wants to undermine the work of God. He wants to undermine the children's work, undermine the, 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 the voice of preaching, undermine the work in the crest, undermine the work of prayer, undermine the work in the church, as if somehow it's just a building with a bunch of people. What are these feeble people doing? What's God going to do with that bunch of people? Totally undermining you. As soon as you go to prayer, undermining you. Everything you say, undermining you. But the church is a powerful voice in this nation. And the enemy wants to discourage you. He wants to take the fight out of what we've already won. He wants to totally deceive us. He's like a roaring lion. He knows he can't kill us, so he'll try and intimidate. He'll try and put fear. He'll try and put anxiety. He'll try and disturb your soul. And it's very, very real. Now, discouragement can kill a man's enthusiasm. I know what it's like when you don't even want to get up and brush your teeth. One more voice and I'm going to break. One more fight I'm not going to take. And discouragement sets in. He wants to undermine it. He says it's feeble. He says, why don't you just come down? Remember Elijah, that great man of God. My goodness me, the fire came. Who would have liked to have been in that meeting? The fire came down. God moved. The people's hearts turned back to God. Then he got a message from the enemy. Just one voice got in his spirit. And totally took the fight out of them. Discouragement ends up making a people or a person say or a, even a church say or a pastor or a leader or a mother or a father. It's not worth it. Just forget it. Discouragement makes a person lose their confidence. Remember when David was at Ziglag and everybody wanted to stone him. But it said, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. See, he spoke to himself. Now what causes discouragement? Sometimes it's pure neglect and laziness not to nourish our own souls. It's just a brutal truth. Next big conference, the next big speaker. Sometimes you need to just go in a room. Because all power, all authority comes out of being with him. You can't substitute it. You can get all the books. Nothing wrong with the books. I've got plenty of them. Ten steps how to build a big church. Nineteen steps how to get the anointing. And God says, I'll give you one step. Hurry up and die and let me move through your life. 
Step one, you die, I live. Sometimes you need to just go into a room and do business with God. There is no other way. I've tried that. I wish there was. I wish there wasn't a cross. I wish I'd never had to go into the room. But when the enemy comes in like a flood, you need to do business with God. Sometimes it comes through fatigueness. You've just been in a battle too long. And you think, God, how long is this going to last? When's this going to end? Sometimes it's failure. We've sinned and we feel, you know, we can't go back to God. Sometimes it's hanging about with the wrong association. Sometimes it's just talking with the wrong people, talking about the wrong things. Sometimes it's inner, inner voices, voices within, voices without. Frustration makes you lose your confidence. There's a voice wants to put you in a place of limitation. Remember David and Goliath? Goliath is terrified the whole army. A people with power. A people with authority. A people who, with the promises of God, everywhere you put your feet, you're going to win. If God is for me, who can be against me? He that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. And there's this voice intimidating him. And David comes down and goes, who do you think you are? You know, do you know the difference? See, when you've been with him, you've got a different attitude. You ever been on the end of your promised land and you're sharing a vision and you're just about to go in and people go, no, 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 we've done that before. You're right on the edge of something amazing. And there's these voices saying, there's giants, there's problems. We don't have, we don't have. Friends, we have never had enough money or enough people or enough strength to do what God has asked us to do. But with God, all things are possible. He's looking for somebody who will just believe. Not just how to, but who's got to believe that God can still heal the brokenhearted, raise the dead, do great things in the city, turn it upside down. It's not about how to. It's about does anybody actually believe that I'm still God? It's all a bit complicated. Just believe. Paul the Apostle, you talk about a life. Stoned, barred, imprisoned, beaten, shipwrecked, hated, rejected. But apart from that, life's okay. <laughs> I'll tell you what took this man through his whole life, believing. He said, I am persuaded. And that persuasion took a man through his whole life. And they're undermining what God is doing in this chapter. They're undermining the work of God. They're undermining Nehemiah's work and the people who are working with him. And discouragement is trying to get in. Undermining and feebleness. If you turn with me, you don't need to turn the lip for time. Let me just read it to you. Nehemiah chapter 6. We go to chapter 6. And it says this. When, when the word came to Sambalat, Toba, Geshem and Arab and the rest of our enemies, that I had, I had rebuilt the wall, <laughs> and not a gap was left in it. Though up to that point I had not set the doors in the gate, Sam Ballot, Gesem, sent me a message. Listen, I'll tell you, the devil doesn't give up, does he? There he's sending another message. Come, let us meet together. See, if the devil can't get you down, he'll try and do a compromise with you. Let's have a chat about this. 
but they were scheming to harm me. Now listen to Nehemiah. So I sent a message to them with this reply. I'm carrying on a great work up here and I can't come down. I'm doing a great work up here and I can't come down. And I want to tell you, don't come down. Some of us have came too far. We've ran too hard. We've ran too long. We've been in too many battles. We've had too many wounds. We've had too many scars. We've came too far to come down from the work that God has called us to do. I want to tell you, God said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I don't care how you feel. He's committed to you. Anybody in here ever remember when you had your first child? Do you remember the first time you, you were up the stairs and you heard that child scream? Or you heard the big, ah! And you, and you went, oh. Anybody remember that? And you slid down four banisters. You ran through the garden fence. You jumped over 18 cars. And there's a wee soul standing there with a sore finger like that saying, I, I, I jammed my finger. And you... You kiss it better and they go, would you like a game of football? And you say, no, I'm not feeling too good at the moment. <laughs> Your heart's in your mouth. You're expecting to see blood. You're, you're waiting till he cries. But let me tell you what you never done when you heard that cry. You never pulled out a piece of paper and said, I can hear him crying. But let me see how good he's been this week. Let me see if he fasted enough. Let me see if he prayed enough. Let me see if he was good to his mother. Let me see what he had done. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't care. That's my son. And I can hear him crying. And I'm coming no matter what. Because I'm committed to being with him and strengthening him and being with him. I don't care what you've done. He hears the cry of his church. Don't come down. God is with us. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. God is with us. And you wait until you get better to know his strength and his grace and his mercy. I'm telling you, you weren't good enough when you came and you won't be good enough in 10,000 years. It's God's love, God's grace and God's mercy. He who started a good work in us is going to finish it to the end. But while he's working in us, we're working for him. We're reaching a city. We're building into people's lives. The church is the greatest place on earth. It's amazing. What can happen in here this morning? And Nehemiah said, I can't come down. I'm involved in a great work. I know you think I've no voice. And I want to tell you, if you're a mother pushing a buggy, two kids trying to make a living, working, and you're at the school gate, I'll tell you, you have a voice at the school gate. Use your voice and don't come down. Don't come down. Don't turn there, but I'm going to turn to Mark 15. Hundreds and hundreds of years later, Jesus is being crucified. I want you to hear this now. Everybody say, a voice. voice. Can you say it again? Mark 15, verse 25. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him was read the king of the Jews, they crucified the robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left. Now listen to this. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, so you are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. Listen to the voice. Come down from the cross. 
and save yourself. Now listen to me. Here's that voice again. Different generation, different body, same voice. I tell you, Satan did not want Jesus to go to the cross. I know that because when Peter said, don't go, he said, get behind me, Satan. Right under the cross, the Savior is soaked in blood, dying for me and you. The biggest revival to hit this world is about to take place after this finished work of the cross. Will you let me just come out the realms of Scripture for a minute and imagine something with me? That voice comes up and it says, Save yourself and come down. But Jesus, the Son of God, I believe underneath his breath heard that voice and said this, I can't come down. I'm doing a great work up here. What a work. What a work. If I come down, there'll be no victory over sin. There'll be no heaven. If I come down, one of the greatest moments in history where principalities and powers and the weapons of the enemy was going to be destroyed and disarmed and the victory that was prophesied from the beginning was about to take place. Just when you're on the edge of something great, there's a voice that says, come down. But Jesus said, I can't come down. If I come down, the blind won't see. The lame won't dance. The drug addict won't get sorted out. The drunk won't get sober. The prostitute won't feel like a woman again. The lonely won't feel like they can come into a family. If I come down, the blind won't see. If I come down, that tumour in that breast cannot be healed. If I come down, arthritis can't get healed. If I come down, the ears won't open. If I come down, madmen who are possessed by devils won't get set free. I want to tell you, I'm so glad he never came down. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah for the victory. It's in Jesus Christ. We are the church. You are the church. He lives in you. Come into those gates. Change your city. You can do it. The devil is a liar. You can do it. You can make a difference. But it needs to start with us. Don't come down. There's a few things before we finish I want to say. The church must never come down from. I want to say to you, don't come down from love. And that's not easy, is it? Love your enemies. Don't you just love loving your enemies? The most natural thing in the world. Hugs. I want to hug them. I want to hug them with their head under there and squeeze it. <laughs> but I know you're not like me. Don't come down from love. We are the church of God. We're meant to be an example. That's how the world will know. Not by your prophesying, your tongues and all the shouting. Thank God for it all. But your love for one another. And that's up to me to keep that love flowing. It's not my business how other people are acting in church and what they're not doing. My business is to keep that love flowing. It's nobody else's responsibility, it's yours and it's mine. And I love him and I love the church and because I do that, I deny myself of my rotten self and keep loving because I want the world to see the unity and the glory and the power and the love and the grace and the majestic person of Jesus Christ. Love. 
Hey, don't talk to me about your gift if you can't do that. Honestly. He sat in my seat and he took my lollipop, grew up and get a life in love. <laughs> Seriously. Does anybody know what I mean? I want to say, I've, I've, I've moaned over people steal my lollipop and took my seat. I've done it all, so I've been there. Speak to each other. We've got enough fight in our hands. Get plugged in. Church is, church is the greatest place on earth you are this morning. We've come in here, my goodness, man. Sung some songs about him. I'm not coming down. And when you're in heaven, and when you're at your worst moment, maybe Pastor Mark, you're in heaven, and you look in the queue, and you see somebody, and they go, oh, remember that Saturday you felt like throwing in the towel? Well, the following Sunday I walked into your church. I just want to say, I was a drunk, and I came in. I'm so glad you never came down. See, it's not about us. It's about them. It's about living for the benefit of others. Nehemiah was building a wall. And it said that they were all burnt and rubbish, but we're building people. And the world would look at them and just kick my side. Let me tell you, I was on drugs for 10 years. I lived in a flat with nothing but a mattress. No cooker, no washing machine, nothing. You wouldn't have even let me through the doors, maybe, I don't know. Tried to take my own life. I was under psychiatric treatment. I walked into the back of a little Pentecostal church. Somebody told me about it. I remember sitting at the back. I was seven stone. My wrists had been stitched up and I sat there with no hope, nothing. Never knew my father, mother, an alcoholic. My sister stabbed her husband. My brother had done 14 years and then there was me. And I sat there and I can't even remember half the songs of what happened. But a man stood up and he said, Jesus came and died for sinners and like that. And I'll tell you, I never cried because I was on drugs. I never cried because I'll tell you what happened to me. I got a revelation and I said this to myself. I'm the most selfish man in the world. And I got convicted of my rottenness. And a guy put his hand on me and said, do you want to become a Christian? And I said, yes, I do. And I said, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. It's like somebody took a scrubbing brush and cleaned Jay Fallon from the inside out. I remember walking out. The grass looked like it had just been laid. The sky looked so blue. Hear birds singing in the air. I met him. 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 Two weeks later, I got baptised in the Holy Ghost. I tell you, the devil's been trying to get me down ever since. But 28 years later, I've never had a cigarette, a drink, or a drug because who the sun sets free? It's free indeed. I know what it's like to be depressed as a Christian or, or nearly go into it because of wrong thinking and let myself go. I know what it's like to fight off bitterness. I know what it's like because these things are real. When you've been with him and you think of what he's done and what he put up with, I just want to say this to you. God owes me nothing. I am nothing. And I never will be anything on this side or on that side. I can't believe I've got a car and a pair of shoes. Really? 
I've never took it for granted that I would ever come to a pulpit like this morning and speak. So why would anybody even want to invite me? I'm so glad he never came down. And I tell you, church, this morning, men and women, maybe had a rough month or a rough year, lost child, buried loved ones, I want to tell you, don't come down. Because God is with us. Emmanuel. Don't lose hope. There's hope. Get this word. Read a psalm. Read one scripture. I remember, I've got, I've got it on the bottom of my Bible there, and I'll finish with this. The bottom of my Bible says chosen. I remember sitting in Teen Challenge, seven stones, sitting on a bed with nothing. I remember reading Ephesians. It said, he has chosen us. And I put my bony finger in it. And I'll tell you, I took on the whole of hell and the whole of the world with one word, chosen. And so are you. So don't come down. Don't come down from the vision that's in this building. Don't come down from the love. Don't come down from serving. Don't come down from giving. Don't come down from the high life of the supernatural life in the spirit. Don't come down from speaking in tongues. Don't come down from love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.